welcome to another episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Sabine Jones. This is a podcast where I interview average, everyday people about life, love, and all things gay. Uh, It's mostly ladies or female-identified people, but we've had some non-binary folks come to the party, and that's cool, too. Um, But it's mostly, like, about women loving other women. This week's episode is really exciting for me. One of the most fun interviews I've ever had. I definitely wish that this person and I were, like, friends in real life. Um, Because she's just so cool. And that is Allison. Allison's episode is probably the one my sister is looking forward to hearing the most. Um, Because I recorded it when I was staying with her and I came out of the room and I was like, I just spoke to someone. She was amazing. Oh my God. And this happened and then this happened and then this happened. She told me so many interesting stories. I've had to cut a lot of them for time. So I might have like an outtakes with Allison like mini so sometime down the line. Um, just because she's got such interesting stories. And then we talked, I think, for another hour after we finished recording. It was insane. And I still remember, like, some of the things that she said then, and I used them to, like, push myself forward with my career and my personal life. So, obviously, I found her really, really inspirational. And I really hope that you guys do, too. Um... Just a warning up top, there are some discussions about like suicide and sexual assault kind of sprinkled throughout. So just be aware um, if that kind of stuff is triggering for you that 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 will be in this episode. I think it's toward the middle of it, um, but just kind of, you know, be careful with yourself if that's something that you need to be careful with yourself about. And for everybody else, let's just go ahead and get started and meet Allison. So today on the podcast, we have Allison. Hey, Allison. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Um, so kind of just to get us started off, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm 21. I'm a college dropout. I work in insurance. Um, that's about it. You know, I'm just kind of obsessed with my dog and my little siblings. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? Oh, he, he's actually right here with me. He's a little pit bull. Oh, that is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like a lesbian stereotype, isn't it? Like, lesbians love, like, rehabbing pit bulls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to be honest, there's lesbian dog, like lesbian dogs, ha, dog lesbians, cat lesbians, and horse lesbians. <gasps> oh my god! So I'm in a mixed marriage. We are half dog lesbian. That's me. Half horse lesbian. That's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of a mixed one with a horse. That's interesting. Yeah, she. There's also me. not a lot of horse lesbians out there. No, there's not a lot. So that's one of the things. Kind of, I'm just going to dive sort of straight into your survey and then we'll kind of backpedal um, to like the past. Okay. But one of the things that you said in your survey, um, like it sort of ties into what you just said about there not being a lot of lesbians. You don't actually have a lot of sort of gay friends yourself. And I know what that's like because I live in the middle of nowhere and there's just me and my wife and then two old gay men. <laughs> Those are the only people <laughs> in the whole area. So yeah. How do you find dealing with that? Uh, it's, it's a little harder because I live in a I live in a small Texas town, 
So all of the gays here are either too old, like too old as in like they don't have an interest in being friends with a 20 year old, you're a little baby lesbian. Mm-hmm. Or they've all dated my ex. Oh my god. <laughs> or, her, like, <laughs> or her ex. Like <laughs> it's always, oh, you dated so and so. Or it was like, yeah. Not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to talk about it. Um, so you said you, have you you live in Texas now? Have you always lived in Texas? I guess I have. I used to spend my summers as a little girl in a little rural town in Ohio. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have a little bit of like Midwestern background in my family. Like I, <laughs> I say things a little bit differently, or so some of my peers think so mm-hmm. um i don't really have much of a drawl yeah so yeah even there you know little rural ohio towns there weren't any gay people either <laughs> <laughs> so the summers there were quite lonely <laughs> um so can you tell me like a little bit about what it was sort of like growing up in the south like was it Like, is it basically everyone has these sort of preconceived notions about what it means to be (laughs) in the South? Like, did you find that you had a positive experience or negative or like a mixed experience? So what was it like for you? Um, it was, I wouldn't say it was mixed. I'm lucky to have an older sister who was bisexual. Mm -hmm. So she kind of, as I got older, was really, oh, you know, my sister's a little baby gay. (laughs) Like, kind of helped. (laughs) help me figure out like how to avoid telling my parents certain things and like how to uh basically how to hide it (laughs) which sounds kind of shitty but it's for the best she I was six when she lived in our house she's 10 years older than me Mm -hmm. and uh she started dating a woman and that was from what I remember very very bad (laughs) Uh, like, I remember one time I found a little pencil, or not pencil, a pen um, that had a clear plastic tubing around it where you could see the ink. Mm-hmm. And she had written on a little piece of paper and stuck in there, I love Chelsea, which was her girlfriend's name. And I found it and I said, Mom, uh, actually, I don't really remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of, Mom, who's Chelsea? And she made me throw the pen away. Oh, wow. Like, I, I still don't know how to this day I knew my sister had a girlfriend. Um, Because she was never allowed in the house. She was never talked about. She just practically, they they didn't want that around us. And to this day, my mom actually, I used my sister for me being gay. Oh, wow. (laughs) Thinking like, because I was, yeah, because I was so young and impressionable. So she said. I mean, that's not how it works, uh, mom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she, she doesn't think so. But my sister, I get a laugh about that. So yeah, being gay wasn't necessarily a thing in mm-hmm. my town. Um, like I think in high school we had two gay boys, and then I think maybe one lesbian, and that was about yeah. it. So it, they all just like kind of like stayed away from yeah. each other because they were still trying to be in the closet, but everybody knew they weren't. So yeah, that is. That must have been really hard because I I grew up in an environment kind of similar to that. And I, I don't know, sometimes I talk to people like for this podcast and they talk about how there were gay people all over school. And I'm just like, how did you live in this like paradise? What is this world? 
<laughs> I feel like my life would have been a lot yeah. different if I'd grown up around more gay yeah. people. How do you th- how do you think it would have been different? Um, I don't think I would have as much shame as I do slash did. Uh, I don't know. I think I'd have a better self image instead of because I will I will admit I've had some abusive relationships mm-hmm. in my life, but the worst one definitely has to be with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because like the type of things I say about myself or to myself, it's just it's it's horrible. Like even just thinking about it now, like the things I would think to myself, uh, I would. I don't know. I think I would drop somebody completely if they said the things to me that yeah. I said about myself. Yeah, but no, like, exactly. I was just having a conversation about that with someone the other day about just the way that we are so mean to ourselves. And I think, yeah, like you said, I think part of it, well, at least in my case, is because of years of just kind of being ashamed of who you are for, for a variety of reasons. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, for me, it's not just a gay thing. But I can see, yeah, that the effect that it has on people and how it kind of colors the rest of your life. Like, are you sort of coping with that well, or do you think it's something that you still kind of actively are coming to terms with? I think it, uh, I'm just about to have my two-year coming out anniversary, so it, it's kind of something I'm still struggling with, the, the acceptance. Because for the longest time, I've known since I was a really little girl mm-hmm. that I liked girls. I don't understand to what extent I just know I was kind of obsessed <laughs> with them. <laughs> like, oh, they're pretty. Like, I didn't care about boys. I just wanted to sit and stare at girls yeah. all day long. <laughs> and I didn't care if it was like a picture, if it was like a little girl in my class, if it was just staring at my sister while she was putting on her makeup. Like, I was obsessed yeah. with girls. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to turn the clock. Oh, yeah. It was, you realized quite when you were quite young that you were interested in girls and it's something that's like always kind of been with you. Uh, yeah, I had my first crush when I was probably in kindergarten on my best friend. Other little girls would chase boys around the playground and I just kind of sat in the dirt with her, like yeah. drawing, doing whatever. And she would chase after boys and I would chase <laughs> after her. But then actually did get the kid. <laughs> One time, I actually did get to kiss her, and I remember the teacher coming over and pulling me off of her and basically yelling at me, saying, girls can't do that to other little girls, or can't do that to girls, period. And it was just a complete shock. I was like, why? I, I love this girl. Like, why can't I kiss her? The other little girls get to kiss her. Yeah. Why can't I kiss her? So, wow. That's so, like, <laughs> I, it's so confusing, because, I mean... You shouldn't like. You should be as a teacher. The position should be don't kiss anybody that hasn't told you to kiss them. It should be no. You can kiss people, just not other girls. It's just so bizarre to me that like that. Uh, oh god, <laughs> like I can't even articulate how stupid that is. Consent wasn't really taught at my school, or really sex ed. In general, it was all, if you have sex, you will get an STD. These mm. are what STDs look like. Not necessarily safe sex, not necessarily abstinent, just sex is bad. This is, you're going to, like, basically, like the line of Exactly, girls, I was going to say. It's like, yeah, just mean so girl sex ed. <laughs> 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 and 
Um, I actually remember one time in college, I was giving a, uh, I was giving an oral report over female genital mutilation, and I had to draw a complete diagram of the vulva and point out where things were because the boys did not understand what I meant when I said vulva or labia or clitoris yeah. or whatever. And it was, I basically had to give them an anatomy lesson just to give my report. That's how bad wow. our sex education That was. is so bad. But like, on, along that same vein, when I was at school, we had to do um, like sex ed and stuff at school. And there are like diagrams of like the genitals. But I remember like our teacher... Mm-hmm. Because we had abstinence-only sex education at school, but we had to know, like, what are the parts. And he would make us say out loud, like, everybody say the parts out loud. And he would specifically say, girls, you have to say the penis. And boys, you have to say the parts of the women's reproductive system. And it was like, we still didn't know. <laughs> like, to this day, people don't know anything. Well- I think it's kind of interesting because my education, we had, the girls actually had to learn about the penis, you know, the shaft, the testicles, everything that went along with it. But the boys didn't have to know anything about that. It was more like, uh, your sperm goes to the ovary. That's how babies conceive. This is how you check for testicular cancer. And, <laughs> but yet yeah, we are, theirs was probably two weeks long and ours was, I think, about two or three months long. So we still had to learn about, you know, reproductive system, the, you know, periods, menstruation, uh, baby labor, <laughs> all of that fun stuff. All the scary, horrible things. <laughs> <laughs> and then also you need to label a penis. And the men just didn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On top of this, you have to learn about the men, not the, about yourself, because they're not going to pay attention. They're not going to know. Yeah, so women obviously. Have to know everything. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Kind of from there, you said you realized quite young that you were gay, and then your first crush on um on another person that you met was your friend. Do you remember kind of what how did you get from that point to sort of where you are now, like having having come out because you said it's your did you say two year coming out anniversary? Yes. Yeah. So, how like what was that process like? Like, how did you get there, and then who did you first come out to, and and what was that like? Um, I, I don't think I ever had a moment that was distinctly, mm-hmm. oh shit, I'm gay. It was more of like my first crush, and then I remember, I think I was probably about nine or ten. My dad let me watch the Adam Sandler movie, um, mm-hmm. Anger Management, and. My body just felt something watching those two <laughs> porn stars make out. <laughs> and I didn't understand what it meant. I just, I, I don't know. I just remember it made me feel good. And I like seeing two girls like that. Um, and I just kind of go from there. I had my first girl kiss. Uh, and actually lost my virginity to this girl on the same night. When I was 14, it was my high school best friend um and we both were kind of like i don't know but this feels right we never actually ended up dating (laughs) but um my brother somehow found out and told our entire school kind of a little shit but um and so i didn't actually get to come out to anybody at our school 
it was more of a oh i think she's a lesbian or or i think she's bisexual because i was dating a, a, a fairly abusive guy at the time um and so he whenever he found out he basically like, pinned me up against a wall and made me retract everything that happened just because you know frail masculinity yeah. he just didn't understand what was going on um and so uh, sorry, that relationship in general was just bad <laughs> but I just I had to stay in the shadows for the rest of high school because being gay was not necessarily a thing and she was she was graduating that year so she didn't care um and so I, I had to hide the rest of high school to, mm-hmm. you know because I was going to be ridiculed or ostracized or whatever you could think of in a tiny gay town or tiny gay town yeah. i'm sorry a single Texas <laughs> town i just have gay in the brain six times a day it's just, i'm so gay <laughs> so yeah um when i was in college i was able to be a little bit more free with it i didn't really come out to anybody they were just like oh hey have you ever had sex with a girl so talking to a few of them and i think a couple of them were lesbians I was like, yeah, they go, oh, shit, girl, really? Uh, they were just blown away by it because I just looked like this prim, proper little <laughs> Christian girl who could do no wrong. And I was like, yeah, I like girls, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was, I don't know, I kind of felt safe there because I didn't necessarily have to come out because I went to a more liberal college um, where it's okay yeah. to be gay. And it was very refreshing. Um, got to kind of shed my conservative skin quite a bit. Uh, it was just, I don't know, because whenever you're in college, you do stupid things to kind of shed off your your youth, the things you did, make you kind of rebel a little bit, especially growing up in a very, very conservative Christian household. So I was drunk most of my freshman year. Um, I did what my friends like to call novelty fucking <laughs> where I would just fuck someone for a story. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, if you think like I once had sex with a girl so she could pledge a sorority that I am not going to name. Uh, it's part of like their hazing, <laughs> part of, like their hazing thing. They have to like video a girl going down on her or oh my whatever. God. So I'll like, yeah, sure, do that. Um, <laughs> and I, like another one was I once slept with a girl simply because she had a poster of Bill Murray above <laughs> her head and I thought it was hilarious so a girl that funny deserves to get laid <laughs> like, yeah like that. living Just, your best life why not <laughs> and so it was like slowly <laughs> really though like it doesn't have to be something mean- I mean it's great what it is when it's meaningful and like love and girl that is the best sex but like the fun sex is yeah probably the most memorable out of all of that but i was really just kind of dipping my toe in the water and like trying to figure out do i actually like yeah. them? Do I just really <laughs> don't care about penis like at one point i was like am i asexual like i don't understand like i know i'm supposed to feel this way like i have dated dudes because i like them as people but their mechanics mm-hmm. i just don't really care for and <laughs> And I ended up getting really, really depressed at school. Um, 
So I've struggled with depression my whole life. My first diagnosis, I was two or three, I think. And I was diagnosed with depression. And um, it had just slowly progressed and getting worse and worse until I was about 19. I ended up having to come home, transfer to a local community college. And from there, I just kind of didn't care anymore. Um, so I was like, I don't care if my parents find out. It's going to be the end of the world, but I don't care. So I downloaded like the Her app. I switched my profile and Tinder to girls. And I met my first girlfriend that way. And um, so sh she was great. I couldn't have asked for a better <laughs> introduction to a lesbian life. Uh, <laughs> she, yeah, she, she was great. Um, but she ended up having to move. And so what that was a very short lived relationship. But after I dated her, I was like, I want to keep doing this. I've never felt like this before. I love it. Like, what was I doing? Just kind of paddling along. And now I just feel like I've gone like so far down a waterfall. No going back. <laughs> um, I don't even know if that metaphor makes sense. It's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, so I yeah. was like, I'm going to just, just date girls from now on. Um, and so I was living with my parents at that time, deciding I was actually going to start dating girls but I wasn't ready to come out yet. So, um, but I'm not going to say luckily because this was a terrible, terrible thing that happened. But um, my cousin was uh, convicted of 16 counts of child abuse and got all of her kids taken away. And so it was a kind of a hers, mine, and our situation. So she had two kids from a previous marriage. Her husband has two kids, and then she has two kids with him. And so she would abuse her stepkids, and so they were taken mm -hmm. away, and we got her four biological children. Um, and so my parents have a three-bedroom house, so there's no way they could have four kids under the age of five themselves and a, like, 19, 20-year-old in their house. It just wasn't going to happen. So I ended up having to take or to get three jobs and move out of my parents' house. Oh, wow. So I was working three jobs, so I had to drop out of school. I couldn't really work and go to school at the same time. And so about two months after that happened, I went ahead and started dating um, another girl. So I started dating this other girl. And... Um, I was like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to be really serious about you. I can see going somewhere. And then Orlando happened, um, the shooting at Pulse nightclub. And my, my parents were, they were, I'm not going to say they were for it, but their whole stance was, this is what, this is what happens whenever you live that kind of lifestyle. So they call it, they call it a lifestyle. My mom still thinks to this day, I'm going to get AIDS. Oh it's a my very God. Lifestyle, oh. That's what she says. And so I I was visiting them. Uh, so that happened probably early in the morning on the 12th. I was visiting them later that day um, after like it had been all over the news. And they were talking about it. And I was like, I just want to let you know. The lifestyle you're referring to is talking about your daughter. 
So I'm going to remove myself from the situation before it gets any worse. And so I just got up. Oh, my God. drove home. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so bad. (laughs) My mom would not stop calling me. She was like, this is a joke. Like, you're just making my life so much more stressful. Why would you do this to me? Oh, my God. Like, I think she was like 47. But she gets Mm -hmm. four kids under the age of five. She's 47. So she was like, my life is already so much stress, like so stressful right now. Why would you do this to me? Why are you making up lies? And I was like, mom, this is not a lie. This is who I am. Ask who is my brother. Ask my sister. I was like, this is not a lie. I've been struggling with this for years. And we didn't talk. We didn't talk for seven months after that. Because she still didn't believe me. So I sent her a picture of me with my girlfriend at the time and she I don't know I kind of wish I would have been there to see her face because I was I don't know because I think that that was her biggest fear she calls it an abomination and thinks it's the worst sin (laughs) so she's kind of a little bit more oh I'm not gonna say okay with it now she was accepted that that is my quote-unquote choice but she's still Um, judging you so (laughs) if she wants to know anything about my love life she asks my sister when you when you come to the end of this story i would tell you so much like i don't want to interrupt you too much but i will just tell you your mother sounds exactly like my mother-in-law like even down to the fact that she wants to know what's happening with my wife and i so she will ask my wife's sisters what we're doing and my wife is like just talk to me. You have my <laughs> phone number. Just text me. Oh, but anyway, I'm sorry. This is your space. So you can you can talk. No, no, you're good. I love hearing stories. Um that I mean basically like she just asks my sister if things are okay, or like she'll ask my brother. Who my brother and my sister have been so supportive throughout all of this and throughout my entire childhood. It's I I probably would not be alive wow, today okay. if it weren't for that. Well, it's good that you have, as sad as it is that your so, your parents have let you down, it's good that you have them. Like, it's good that you have somebody that you're that connected to mm-hmm. biologically that's like, I'm here for you. I will show up for you. <laughs> My dad said he's kind of always known because they used to call mm-hmm. all gays. They were fags, faggots, whatever. That's what my family would call them until I came out. So thankfully, they've kind of toned down that language. But I would always stick up for the gay community. I was like, oh, no, I'm just an ally. That's why I feel this way. Uh, so my dad said he always kind of knew right. he hoped he was wrong. So I didn't necessarily get to come out the way I wanted to, but I'm proud I got to come out yeah. in solidarity with the survivors and victims of the Pulse shooting. I was going to say, that's really brave as well. Like, not just to come out in the midst of it but to literally stand up in the middle of that conversation and just go that's me bye like (laughs) that's courage man i was so angry i was seeing white like i just i i couldn't be there anymore i was like you need to know because that's one thing that some parents don't understand is whenever they talk bad about a certain community, they don't know if they're talking bad about their own child. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They had been saying it for years. And that kind of, I think, goes hand in hand with some of my doubts and self-hate is just hearing how my parents truly feel 
about the gay community. Mm-hmm. Do you have like any kind of hope that potentially down the road things might sort of ease out or do you think it's kind of always going to be a bit rocky with with them um i know that they're not going to come to my wedding they've already discussed that because i have been engaged i was engaged to a trans man and they were all for it until they realized he was trans Mm. and then they said, we, we cannot talk to you. If you're going to marry someone with that lifestyle, we don't understand. It's not, like, <sighs> I, I just. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't think their stance is ever going to change on that. Yeah. Wow. Well, especially since I mentioned my sister's bisexual, she ended up marrying a man. And so they think for her it was phase. Right. Because we were about the same age um, right now that like we came out around the same age. And so they think it's going to happen for me as well. Oh, my God. So I I don't even. Wow. <laughs> but like the fact that you sort of come through all that, though, is, I think, really impressive because a lot of people sort of can't. And you see really like it you're just sort of taking it in stride it sounds like like you're like yeah this sucks but i'm gonna keep living my life i'm gonna keep being who i want to be i was not always this way um when i first came out the girl i was dating ended up being a drug dealer okay and so uh when we moved in together i ran a trap house (laughs) oh my god okay so (laughs) so there was a lot of like drugs and alcohol that kind of went into the seven months that I wasn't talking to my family because I I lived in a trailer with seven other people so it was my girlfriend we had two sex workers and so me and my girlfriend two sex workers and three drug dealers Mm -hmm. four drug dealers and so we had a three bedroom uh, trailer eight people living in it Wow. So <laughs> I had, to, I, there was always one of us sober. Usually it was me. Not always. Usually. Um, so that way somebody could always be there to talk to the police or, you know, make sure money was handled or nobody was going to die. It was just straight up. Like, I've never seen so many drugs in my life. Yeah. I don't think I ever will see any, like, that amount of drugs in my life in one place. Say so. I did not cope very well. Yeah, I was. Oh, so uh, how was that experience for you? Like, did you grow up sort of being comfortable around drugs, or was this like the first time you'd ever been around anything kind of like that? Um, I knew growing up. My my sister was only in my house for probably about seven or eight years. Um, well, it was alive before she met her girlfriend and moved out and they decided to have a baby. It was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was only in the house for about eight years of my life. But I knew she was heavily into drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, her girl, her girlfriend was on meth. She's adopted. Um, and her biological dad was on meth and he's also gay. Mm-hmm. So she, she, she told me this later on, but she was like, I didn't understand how someone could love a drug so much more than they love me. So she started taking that drug to understand. Okay. And she could see me kind of going in the same direction. But 
that that's all I really knew was that my sister was involved in the scene when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it was always drugs are bad. You know, the, the, so then, the hardest thing I'd ever heard of is probably marijuana. Yeah. So then coming into this environment where like you're living sort of with several drug dealers, how like how did you sort of cope with with all of that i know like part of it was obviously drug use but was there like an emotional like kind of toll that it took on you to to sort of be in such a high stress environment i imagine it's really stressful like being like oh no no people can't die oh no the cops are coming oh no <laughs> well i still maintained my christian good girl look so the cops weren't really a problem i was always the one to take care of them yeah um because they were like, oh, you're at this situation. It must not be as bad as the neighbors are saying. Because <laughs> the girl who looks like you couldn't possibly be in that kind of life. <laughs> of course. So, <laughs> so the cops aren't really the problem. It was more of just the partying mm-hmm. all the time um, and having to make sure like that our stuff wasn't stolen, that nobody was getting into gunfights or knives oh or... <laughs> And make sure nobody was gonna was gonna have a terrible trip that was gonna mentally fuck them up for life. That that kind of thing was more of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> so are you still kind of really involved in that kind of scene, ahead. or did you sort of move away from that when that relationship ended? Um. So on my twentieth birthday, my I got I don't remember where I was. I was at a friend's house for some reason. I got a call about midnight saying that I needed to come get my girlfriend because she had taken four heads of acid and was trying to square up to her our six foot five 250 pound neighbor oh god who was trying to get his ex-stepdaughter out of our house oh no um who actually had a restraining order against him because he was trying to date her oh my and this girl was fifteen. Fucking God. Um, <laughs> and so by the time I got there, the cops had just pulled up and they were like, Oh, do you know who you know what's going on? I was like, Yes, we have we have permission from this girl's mother that she's allowed to be here. You're you can search the house. So I called beforehand. I was like, Y'all need to get all the drugs fucking out of there. <laughs> and so I was like, You can search the house. <laughs> there's there's nothing to be, you know looked into this is just a guy who's had a restraining order and is paranoid mm-hmm. and so they like called the girl's mom and was like okay yeah she is allowed to be here and they just left but the neighbor ended up getting um arrested because he had violated his restraining yeah. order and calling because he was on our property trying to fight my girl oh my god so <laughs> oh my god he ended up being the way getting arrested, but I was the only sober one, so I got a call that I had to come there and take care of everybody. Um, and so after that night, I was like, this is not a fucking way to spend my 20th birthday. No, happy fucking uh, birthday. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it was my first birthday away from my family. I hadn't talked to any of them. Like, it was just, it was just shit. Um, so I told her, I was like, we have to, we have to, we have to move. You're, we have to get out of this. I don't care if I have to get another fucking job. We're getting out of this. And we're moving and we're not talking to them anymore. And so um, that happened. Oh, I should. Uh, I don't know if it's going to come up later, but she ended up cheating on me twice. 
with two separate girls. One of them was our roommate, and the other was an ex-girlfriend who lived across the oh street. Um, <laughs> and so she was, she was just basically a really yeah, shitty Yeah, I mean, you're doing everything um, to keep her safe, and she's just like, oh, thank you. Now I'm going to cheat on you real fast? Basically. She's still like, we're really good friends now. She's still kind of like that. <laughs> um, and so we ended up getting our own apartment, and about a month into it she breaks up with me. Oh, no. and so we're out of all the drugs i am clean she's just smoking marijuana she's getting drunk all the time she breaks up with me oh <laughs> i should mention that way she breaks up with me i get a random text as i was at work i get a random text and it says something along the lines of i am now dating someone else and i'm moving into the guest bedroom <gasps> like uh, oh, and then she goes, she's coming over for dinner tonight, so make something. Uh, no, she <laughs> fucking isn't. <laughs> no, I'm fucking not. <laughs> but she was the only person I had at this point because I wasn't talking to any of my family. Yeah. I, um, so I wasn't talking to anybody <laughs> in my family. So she was really the only person I had. Um. And so it just became very, very abusive and very, very toxic because all the drugs and the bonding and the, you know, trauma bonding and uh, her cheating on, because, girl, if you're going to cheat on me twice in like six weeks, there better be a fucking good reason why I'm with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> so she's just randomly fucking leaves me out of the blue and I didn't have anywhere to go. And the, the apartment was in my name, so I really should have just fucking kicked her out mm -hmm. <laughs> in hindsight. But she was guilty. I don't have anywhere to go. Yeah, bitch me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so she ended up staying there for about eight weeks, and her girlfriend ends up moving in. Oh, my God. And so her girlfriend actually is, uh, has um, borderline personality disorder. Okay. But she's being treated. Okay. Oh, I should also mention. I'm sorry. This story is like going off the rails. No, keep That's talking. I'm very interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say, like, I keep forgetting to mention details that are kind of important. <laughs> okay. Um, the girl who was dating, like, my girlfriend, who I guess at this point would be ex-girlfriend, has schizophrenia. Okay. And so she was was on a lot of drugs, and then she leaves me for a girl who has borderline personality disorder. Okay. And so between the two of them, it was just constant psychological warfare. And I couldn't figure out how to get out of it. Oh, my God. Um, so I ended up probably two months later trying to jump off of a bridge oh, no. and kill myself. Um, the, <laughs> I was really drunk. I don't remember the exact details, but I do remember someone calling and the police coming and getting me off the bridge mm -hmm. and my dad said we're either going to hospitalize you or you're going to get therapy and the like we're forcing we're calling the cops and getting this girl out of your house yeah so i was like i don't want to have inpatient so i opted for therapy which went really really yeah. well um <laughs> which i'm i'm still seeing my therapist she's great but uh, yeah, coping was was non-existent. It got so bad that, like I said, I tried I tried to kill myself because I couldn't see any way out of it. Psychological warfare, yeah. no family, nowhere to go. 
no drugs. I was clean at that point. I mean, point, Allison, so. I'm so glad, though. I'm so glad that you <laughs> got through it. And, like, that parental, like, they showed up at least when it counted. Like, as horrible as they've been, I'm so glad that your dad was like, I'm going to get you help, as opposed to just leaving you. Like, oh, oh my God. But both my parents actually count for it. What? No. And so <laughs> wait, never mind anymore. <laughs> now I'm really fucking pissed again. <laughs> I was cutting them some slack, and now I'm like, no slack. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't fault him. He's always been more for getting me help. Because, like I said, I was diagnosed with depression at the age of two. Like your girl needed some help. <laughs> my mom. <laughs> My mom was like, oh, no, she doesn't need help because getting help is a sign of weakness. My my mother was um, a two-time beauty queen in her very small Oklahoma town. And her father was a um, two-term mayor Mm. who was in with the Mason (laughs) and was going to run for governor. But my grandmother threatened (laughs) to leave him. (laughs) They were all about appearances and to have someone who was sick like your daughter and not necessarily conventionally attractive so i was i was not a cute kid (laughs) i was not a cute kid um it just kind of i don't know she raised me the way she was raised and i can't fault her for that but it really sucks yeah she left gaps basically (laughs) yeah no i i totally get that though because I have like a dying, I have obsessive compulsive disorder and like I had depression anxiety like you kind of I I dropped out of college because of my depression and um growing up I was a really depressed kid but and I was really afraid of a lot of things but I because I was so religious growing up I genuinely like put it down to like my own personal failings and faith and my mom and my the rest of my family like were trying to help me but they were just thinking of it as like well, we'll just pray and it'll get better. Like they definitely tried to help me how they were helped. Like your mom raised you how she was raised. My mom helped me how she was helped. Mm-hmm. But that left a huge gap because I didn't need her to pray for me. I needed her to take me to a counselor <laughs> to get me some medication. Um, well, so yeah. Well, I was actually raised Pentecostal. And so... Uh... And my best friend is Pentecostal. <laughs> I totally understand. <laughs> The Assemblies of God Pentecostal, which I think is still probably a little bit more chill, but my mom was raised the Pentecostal holiness, which is like the hair up in the bun, the long mm-hmm. skirts, the no makeup. The That's no my bun. best friend. That's my best and friend so, life, like um, all through high school. And so she, like, she kind of took some of those ideologies into my childhood. Like, I wasn't allowed to look at the mirror for unnecessarily amount of long, like, unnecessary mm-hmm. amounts of time. Or else it'd be considered vain. Like to this day, I still can't because I just feel a lot of shame. <laughs> uh, just little things like that. I was taught how to be a wife mm-hmm. very, very young because in my community, uh, you met a boy in youth group and you married him after you turned 18. So <laughs> I am actually uh, considered an old maid in my family. I am the oldest girl to not be married <laughs> at 21. So. Wow. So, like, they they've either met their their spouse like before twenty one and got married, or got married shortly after. I think the oldest 
I think the record is probably 22 oh before getting married in my family. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's a lot. So there's a lot of pressure on me to not be gay. I just failed all of them. But you, I don't know if it's like a failing them as much as it is just like succeeding and being yourself. Like you maybe didn't do what they wanted, but you've fought damn hard to be who you are. Well, I tell them now, I say, I say, right. I, I tell them now, I say, um, oh, yeah, I'm striving to be uh, the oldest non-married woman <laughs> in my family. So like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not having, like, if I ever have kids, it's going to be 30, regardless if I'm married. I'm going to just pop a kid out at 30, and that's my family. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. So they're just kind of like, I don't, they, they don't understand the whole, I don't care about getting married or starting a yeah. family really young. They just not how it's done oh goodness <laughs> so from that point of your life from the the suicide attempt to the therapy how did you get to sort of where you are mm -hmm. now or do you feel like you're in a healthier place and like a more comfortable situation like what's what's life look like for allison today um i it's i mean i'm not suicidal at this point so that's Yay. that's a starter and i'm actually on medication um <laughs> my the my very first therapy appointment um I matched with my future fiance that day and we like actually met in person mm -hmm. three days later and so he kind of really helped me learn what mm -hmm. love looks like um and I will be forever forever yeah. grateful to him uh to do that but he just had a lot of his own mental health issues, which didn't tell me. He's Hispanic, so he was very, very prideful and tried to work his hardest to get me, because he lived in Dallas. He was trying to work his hardest mm -hmm. to get me down there with him. And um, just all of that did not uh, go well in our favor. So we ended up breaking it off. Very, very terrible. Uh, had a panic attack while I was driving oh, no. and crashed my car. So I had to get court-ordered psychiatric help, even though I was already having talk therapy. They wanted me to be medicated, um, which I'm still currently fighting for my right to have a license. <sighs> it's awesome. Don't don't ever tell them it's for mental health reasons. Oh just, pay the, just pay the, just pay the <laughs> <fine>. um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So there, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, is so, there belief that it's not safe for you to drive yeah. because you had a panic attack and had a car accident? But you're like that's yes. solvable, <laughs> and you've done the work to prevent that from happening again. Mm hmm. Yeah. So now I'm on medication. I'm a lot better. Um, I'm still kind of dealing with mm -hmm. him breaking off the engagement, but other than that, it's still. Like everything is a lot yeah. better. Um, so during my psychiatric evaluation, I was diagnosed with um, major depressive disorder, panic disorder, general anxiety disorder, um, PTSD, uh, mm -hmm. and mild neurocognitive disorder. So they, they just really don't think I should drive with all of mm. that going on. Some so. <laughs> working very easy, especially in America, where there's no public transportation. <laughs> like, 
oh yeah especially in small towns like there's no yeah there's no there's nothing so well okay i i live i used to live in a small town i lived Mm -hmm. in a small town outside of the town i live in now um which i grew up in a town of ten thousand, and now i'm in a town of a hundred and ten thousand. so there's still not really any public transportation my job is about Mm -hmm. three miles away from where i live so if my license actually does get revoked, I... Oh, Jesus Christ, that's an hour. It's, like, it's like, like 45 minutes to an hour each way. That's not safe. Yes. A woman can't walk that. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, let her drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, man. Government It sucks. does. It really, really fucking does. Oh, I forgot. I was going to tell you why I actually got too depressed and um, dropped yes. out of college, but I kind of ramble. <laughs> so uh, when I <laughs> when I was sixteen, I got in a fight with my high school. With I, I had two high school best friends. One was the girl I lost my virginity to. The second was um, this big man who was in theater with me, and he was in the football team. He was very, very well liked. And he was the lead in all of our plays. And he was my best friend. I was, I was, uh, head tech. Like I did all the makeup. I did the lighting, the sound, all of it. And so, um, he really, really liked me and I did not like him back. I didn't understand why, because I should, because I liked him as a person. Just again, did not like his mechanic. So, um, he ended up getting a girl pregnant, and we got in this huge fight. Didn't talk. He gra- like stopped talking and no friendship. So he graduated that year, and so the next year uh, was my senior year, and he just kind of shows up out of the blue, and was like, "Hey, you know, you want to come over, hang out like old times? I want to reconcile with you." Um, I was like, "Okay, yeah, sure," because this was my best friend. He was my light, my world, everything. Um, so when I go over there, he actually ends up mm-hmm. assaulting me. And I did not understand because he was my best friend. I didn't think that someone who cared that much about you could do that to you. And so I basically yelled at him afterwards. Um, and told everyone who was close to us that they thought it was my fault because he could do no wrong. He was the star child of our <clears throat> theater production. He was, you know, head football player. All, all of this good stuff, fully great reputation, very charismatic. And so nobody believed me. So I thought in my head, maybe, you know, I had messed it up. You know, I'm mm. a bit... Uh, sex positive um even growing up where i i did i'm very sex positive and so they just took it as i decided i didn't want it which still kind of revoking consent is still assault in a degree it's still it's still like point blank still when you say no you say no but um so i kind of talked to that to you know, maybe I didn't want it. I started blaming myself. So I didn't tell anybody else after that, after everyone kind of sided with him. So I went to school 
you know, just kind of putting it out of my mind, trying to forget what happened. And a year to the day, it was April 17th, um, 2015. Mm -hmm. He ends up texting me out of the blue. I didn't know I still had his number in my phone. I, it just, I didn't, I didn't know. I still didn't know he had any way to contact me. And he actually admits to what he did and apologizes, which I think was the best gift he probably could have ever given me. Um, and which I, I feel very, very lucky to have that. But that year of um, shock, just kind of dissolved and I yeah. spiraled. I ended up telling him off again, uh, blocked his number, made sure he had no way to contact me and just went off on a bender, which kind of started my uh, alcohol abuse, but I hadn't touched drugs at that point. So, and my parents saw something was wrong and made me, made me kind of come home. So, yeah, so I'm sorry. I was just thinking like PTSD. Yeah, whenever no. I told you my diagnoses, I was like, oh yeah, that's why that is. Because it, <laughs> it, it does. It is like it's a part of your story, and in in some ways, it's like thank you for apologizing. But at the same time, he sat back for a full year and watched everybody call you a liar and did nothing. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, the I don't. This is something that I sort of struggle with sometimes when I hear people because it's like on the one hand you want to believe that people who make these horrible decisions because it is a choice like it's not an accident you don't accidentally rape somebody who trusts you or assault somebody who trusts you you want to believe that mm -hmm. if they repent or whatever that there is a chance for redemption but at the same time it's like if he doesn't then turn around and tell everyone else she wasn't lying. I did do that. Like, you still don't have any sort of accountability there. That's still garbage. <laughs> like he, he kind of ruined my whole credibility, mm -hmm. um, which caused me to actually leave theater my last year of high school. Yeah. So I was completely ostracized at that point. Like, I had no friends. I had no safe haven because you know i i believe you're you're also a theater kid, yeah, you? yeah yeah like you went to you went to school you went to school for yeah. theater um and so that was kind of my safe haven my way to kind of work out you know all the stuff from my mother from me being yeah. gay from you know having shitty relationships that was my place where i could just leave it all out on the stage yeah. and he took it from me to this day, I still I will not do the community theater here because he is still the lead actor in our community. Um, yeah, yeah, I I do not talk to anybody I was in theater with, and I I don't know. I think now that it's becoming more prevalent to speak up and say what actually happened, that pe guys are getting more and more scared to to do things, and it's becoming a little bit more safer. However, on the mm. other hand, they're also getting a little bit more aggressive yeah. and making sure that you won't say anything. Um, I was actually talking to a coworker the other day because we had, we had our yearly sexual assault awareness training. And he was like, I feel like I'm not even allowed to hug <laughs> yeah. a girl. And I was like, well, you're really not. Like, 
you can't just go <laughs> you can't really just go up to someone and hug them like I would be very uncomfortable with that he was um he my friend was taking my other coworker was taking him to lunch and mm -hmm. he was going to give her money for his food and he just like laid it on her lap and just like kept his hand there and made her very uncomfortable. Just hand it like, to her. No, that's that's not okay. <laughs> so now she's terrified. Yeah, and now she's terrified to be alone with him. Like, because he's, he's a little creepy anyways, but he is seemingly harmless. He's mm -hmm. like that <laughs> old drunk uncle. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> does that make any sense? No. Yeah. Oh, he's, oh, he's harmless. No, he's not. Like, it may it, it may seem harmless. The intentions may be harmless, but the the mindset yeah. behind them is what is destroying our community, and was destroying and think, our our feeling of safety. Because oh, he might yeah. be harmless, but the next guy who thinks that might not be, and we don't know how to differentiate between the two. I actually used to work in this really really shady hotel, and we had um, construction guys who worked on. Uh, the area quite quite often so they were very very constant they came every monday and checked out every friday it got so bad with the cat calling and oh the God. the verbal harassment that my boss told me i had to carry a knife keep my hair up in a bun don't wear makeup oh wear the God. men's uniform and wear a binder like not a sports bra she told me to go get a binder to like try and like dress down as much as possible and i still Still got harassed to the point where I had to have an escort to and from locking up the outside pool just just and for my is, own and safety. I think that's the thing like people think it's just casual like oh women don't like being whistled at but it's like no you don't understand it starts with whistling and it goes to the point where people are like literally binding their breasts in order to not be harassed like and still being <laughs> harassed that's what's happening in the world like it's not just small it's like a small thing leads to a big thing and that's that's the whole point i guess well also whenever i worked at that hotel i had this really creepy drunk guy who kept trying to convince me to give him a room under the table um so he could bring back some sex workers and so his wife didn't know about it so his wife was upstairs so he was wanting to room downstairs under the table so his wife didn't know and then proceeded oh to try and get me to go into the room with him I still had not given him a room at this moment. I was like, no, this is this is not going to happen. So he got really pissed off and stormed out and was sitting outside of the pool area waiting for me to lock it up. So I was like, no, I'm not fucking going out there. So um, I, I called my boss. I was like, I'm not locking up the pool tonight. <laughs> somebody drowns, somebody drowns. But <laughs> yeah. like, I, I'm too worried about my safety. So I come in for, because it was like 11 o'clock when I left, 11 p.m. So I had the morning shift. So I come in at 7 a.m. And he's sitting there in handcuffs in the freezer because he tried to um, choke his wife what? with the phone cord in the room. And my head of housekeeping happened to be in the next room picking up and just heard him. And she's ex-military, so she got her master key in there and opened the door and tackled him to the ground. And, like, it's just fucking... It, I didn't think that was yeah. something he would do. I just thought he was a really creepy dude, but... Oh my god! 
something else just like oh he wants to have sex with the you know the front desk girl ha 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 like i haven't heard that one before he doesn't want his wife to find out no he just fucking wanted to murder oh his fucking god. wife and not know who it was oh my god oh my god what happened like did did they did he get arrested do you know like any sort of follow-up on that um, yes, they did get arrested. I wish for the life of me I could remember his name because I would send you the article, oh but it was really, Jesus really fucking Christ. Up. Oh. <laughs> so sometimes it's creepy, sometimes it's murder. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> We've gotten so far, like, down this really dark rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> let's sort of come back up. Let's come back up for air because I was like, Sorry. I've not even asked you, like, the, the happy questions. <laughs> should we venture into... <laughs> should we venture into the happy questions? <laughs> okay, so... Sure. <laughs> um, do you remember your first love? Um, I do. Yeah. It was actually fairly recent. It was my fiancé. I thought, I thought I had, you know, loved people mm -hmm. before that, but once you are truly in love... Yeah. You know, that was absolutely nothing. I didn't think I could understand unconditional love. And, like, he could do whatever he wanted, and mm -hmm. I could be hurt by it, but I would still <laughs> love him nonetheless. It'd be fucked. I'd be pissed, and I'd be hurt. But yeah. <laughs> But there would be absolutely no love involved. Yeah. So then, so obviously, fun. kind of from there, it sort of leads that that would have been the first heartbreak as well when that ended. Yes, the, yes, my first true one. And it's been mm -hmm. eight months, I think, since the end of the engagement. So, and, and that's, I think, another way how I know yeah. this true love is because it still feels like the first day sometimes. Do you, like, are you kind of getting so. on better nowadays or is it still like i know it's you said it still hurts sometimes but it's like it's sort of the pain lessening like day to day yeah and i'm actually yeah. kind of starting to date around again um which is good yeah. I, I'm glad you'll I'm find a to you'll find a good that. another love it'll be just as good maybe even better yeah just looking forward to it <laughs> let's pray okay um <laughs> Do you have any gay icons? Anybody that you're like, oh my god, I admire that person so much. I love everything they do. Anybody like that? Yeah. Uh, what is her name? Mm -hmm. um, Kate McKinnon. I am obsessed with Kate McKinnon. Like, she could, I could be like watching her just fucking paint like a fucking wall and I would be mesmerized. <laughs> I, I love her. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> I think it's about it. Um, I, I don't really have a lot yeah. of icons. I, don't really I look spoke up to anyone. a girl, and I can't wait to sort of release her episode because I think she's so funny. Um, I asked her, did she have any gay icons? And she said, uh, me. <laughs> I was like, yes, I want that confidence. I am my own, own gay icon. <laughs> that is fantastic. Also, Titus Andromeda from uh, uh, yes. Unbreakable Kimmy. <laughs> oh my god, the new season is out today. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know because okay, Netflix so normally exactly. emails me, and I went on <laughs> Netflix like this morning to like look up a crime show or something, and I was like, oh, new Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> like as soon as the interview's over, that's what I'm doing. 
like when Riverdale dropped, it there was no release date from Netflix. It just said sometime in May. So I would just check every moment <laughs> to see Riverdale dropped, and when it did, I cried. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> also, Cheryl Blossom. I'm adding her to my gay icon. Oh, oh, Cheryl Blossom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife and I are both okay. like in love with her. She's so talented, and she's so <gasps> like pretty, and she's just great. <laughs> I I am obsessed. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't have icons. I have a. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I can't just mildly. Love yeah. Them. Okay. So, kind of leading on from there, it might actually overlap. Uh, celebrity crushes. So we know Sarah Paulson and Kate McKinnon, but are there any others? Um. Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Uh, I. Oh, what is her name? It's uh, the lead in Carol. <gasps> Kate oh, What is her name? Yes. yes. <laughs> Did you know? Okay, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Did you know that she's bisexual? (gasps) Yes. Okay. When Carol came out, she did an interview and she said, I've, like, she's married to a man now, but she said, in the past, I've been with both men and women and I'm totally fine with it. And I was like, no, I can't breathe. (laughs) So there is. If she gets a divorce. Or she opened her relationship. Exactly. I am, I feel really blessed because oh. I like everybody that sort of sees my wife. Like when I showed my sister a picture of my wife for the first time, she goes, She looks like Kate Blanchett. And I was like, I know. <laughs> she looks like Kate Blanchett and Jackie <laughs> Swinton had a baby. And I'm just like, I win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the girlfriend I was telling you about uh, who I ran the drug house, the, the uh, yeah, the mm-hmm. drug house with. She reminds me a lot of Shane from The L Word. Uh, and I think that was a lot of my initial on That's what <laughs> that was the spell. That's what happened. <laughs> everybody loves Shane and everybody. Like, no wonder she got you. Like, my roommate is, is straight and I got her to watch The L Word and she loves Shane. She was like, yeah, I do her. I was like, oh. <laughs> like, she is the straightest person I have ever met and I... <laughs> it's just something about her. She's just magic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just want to know, like, in that show, was it a requirement to have perfect boobs? <laughs> like, because of all of the nudity? Maybe things? they did. Maybe they were like, can you just show us? Because, mm. Just in the audition, like, I'm sorry, we have to, you have to submit a topless picture. <laughs> <laughs> just loads of pictures of boobs with giant X's through and being like, not good enough. <laughs> More perky. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> oh, man. And what is your favorite thing about being a lesbian? Um, probably the confidence it gives me and the healing power that it gave me to kind of get over a lot of the stigma I had about myself growing up and all the Mm -hmm. shame just coming out and like realizing oh shit it is okay to be gay like I know that's really stupid like we know it's okay to be gay but like straight people kind of need to get on that bandwagon (laughs) but (laughs) uh it it truly is like there's nothing wrong with it at all and I really wish I had discovered your like I wish you had started your podcast when I was a little little bitty baby because I would have been obsessed with it. Like I would just listen to mm-hmm. everything. I love that you interview like just 
normal average everyday girls just telling their story and hanging yeah, out yeah i think that's for me that's i wish kind of that this had existed when i was coming out and realizing things because like it there are famous gay people but their stories are so different than like most people's and to get to a, to be famous like by and large you kind of have to have a bit of money like you have to be in a more privileged position than like the average american or the average world citizen so your their view of the world is totally different than yours they're like oh yeah i went to school with like exactly. these posh people and you're like i go to school with like joe down the road and there's two gay people at my whole school and everyone hates them like what does that mean for me you know and also i went to school with shotguns in the back of trucks <laughs> <laughs> and it was a legitimate excuse to be late if you're stuck behind a tractor yeah oh my god but that's but that's that's like yeah like our experiences aren't mean like well they're mainstream because most people have a different life most people aren't rich and famous but also when you become like that level of fame and ubiquity you censor your own experience you don't tell people what it really was like like you don't tell people about your terrible experience at drama school you don't tell people about your girlfriend who was a drug dealer you smooth out all the bumps and edges and the bumps and edges are what people relate to it's how you see yourself and someone else and how you learn actually they're okay maybe i'll be okay too and that's the the reason mm -hmm. that I wanted to start it was because I was just like, somebody needs to help all of us normal people know that we're going to be all right <laughs> if we don't have a million dollars. Well, and growing up, the only really gay person was, or lesbian, I should say, was Ellen. Yeah. Like, I don't remember there being any, yeah. any like gay actresses or uh, comedians, besides Ellen, obviously, yeah. or artists and now we have like um signataro we have Haley kyoko we ha you know yeah I mean? we have like, <laughs> Haley kyoko lesbian jesus hashtag yes summer 2018 <laughs> yes oh uh, have you seen the video of her with i believe she pronounced it kalani mm -hmm. i really suck with names have you seen that video yet? Because then I'm on the side of the road. I was supposed I, to watch it I last cried. night and I totally forgot. So I definitely need to because I was just talking to somebody about it yesterday. And they're like, have you seen it? You have to see it. So I will definitely watch it. <laughs> I'm writing it down now. Yeah. I highly recommend it. <laughs> okay. That, I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say that plus the scene in SNL where Kate McKinnon makes out with Gal Gadot. Those are the two things that you need to watch in order to be a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> that in blue is the one that's color. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, so now for the very, very last question. If you could tell your younger self anything, anything else that could be little tiny you, that could be you at the trap house that could be you having your very first magical <laughs> love uh, if you could tell that person anything what would you tell them um probably something along the lines of one it's not your fault and two you deserve better mm -hmm. 
just a, a lot of the things with like the way I was treated, um, which I don't even think I really got into much of the, the relationship abuse I, I endured between my first boyfriend and the actual abuse um, between the girlfriend who left me with like the trap house, yeah. that girl. Um, but it's just things like it's, it's not your fault. Like the relationship with yourself is the most important one you will ever have. And so being that entangled into a person can be quite toxic. It might seem very, very loving, but you do not have to be in constant contact with someone to have a good, healthy relationship. Often it's the time you spend apart that is the most formidable. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like I just rambled this whole... No, that's good like, advice. That's good. <laughs> Okay, um, this was really, really fun. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you. Oh, I love this podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and there you have it. That was my amazing conversation with the equally amazing Allison. I really hope that you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. She was just so fun to talk to just an absolute delight I hate editing like I love doing interviews I love all of that stuff but I don't like when it comes time to like cut it together but this was actually really really fun because I kept laughing and I kept wanting to hear what came next because I was so into the conversation not even as like a person who'd been a part of it but like genuinely just like oh my god what um So I really hope that you guys got as much out of it as I did. And thank you so much, Allison, for coming on the show and opening up and then waiting ages to hear what happens. Um, Because, yeah, she's just so young, so wise, so awesome. I genuinely do wish, like, she was one of my best friends because she just is so cool and I've just felt so comfortable with her. Like I, I shared something with her. I ended up cutting it out of the final edit and I think I will probably talk about it in depth on the podcast at some point. Um, but it just felt like inappropriate because it was so much about me and this is her story. Um, but we genuinely had such a true real conversation rather than an interview that I was just like talking to her like a friend. Um, And I still remember, like, the advice that she gave me kind of after we stopped recording about that situation. And I was just like, this girl is fucking awesome. And I still think about it. This week, we're going to open up the Querio cabinet real fast. And I'm going to give you guys another film recommendation. I know I gave one last week, and that's not really cool. But, like, I've just been so busy with, like, other projects that I've been working on. I really haven't been, like, doing enough investigating of queer media and other sources of entertainment for queer people so this week's rec is also going to be a film it's on netflix instead of amazon so a different streaming service can i get points for that and um it's called the feels it's like about basically like a lesbian hen party and it's like a shared hen party because yeah that's how we do it um And it's got Constance Wu in it being a lesbian, which is everything that you never knew you wanted if you're a big fan of Constance Wu like I am. Um, And it's just a sweet little movie. Like, I think a lot of it was because I think Ever Maynard is in it, and she's a really funny comedian. And I heard her talking about it on another podcast. I'm pretty sure a lot of it was improvised. Um, And it's just a really good, it's a quiet little nice thing. You watch it 
quite peaceful. It's nice to see gay people in TV being in love and having relationships. Um, so yeah, if you like quiet little gay movies, try that for a quiet little gay film. Um, so this is going to be the last podcast we do just for a bit that's like an interview based. I'm still in the process of kind of recording and getting ready the next set of interviews. So I think in two weeks time there will be a podcast, but I think instead of doing an interview, I might do like a little bit of a kind of historical woman's story perspective so we'll just be like a gay lady from history and I'll maybe bring my wife on and we'll chat uh to you guys about that one for a bit just to fill in the gap so that there's not like three weeks in between while I get everybody's schedules together to record but we are having the rest of this season do not worry um We've got some really, really cool guests on deck, so definitely stay tuned for that. Stay subbed, because like I said, there will be content. It'll just be a gay lady from history's story instead of a gay lady from today. Um, But yeah, if you'd like to be interviewed, do what the rest of the girls in this season did. Get in touch with me, leschatpod at gmail, leschatpod on Insta. I have a Facebook. I really don't use it because I don't trust Marzuck, which is what I call Mother Zuckerberg, also Mark Zuckerberg. Um, I'm definitely cutting that out. That's not nice to say about him, but I don't trust him. Um, but yeah, so get in touch there if you'd like to be on the pod. Um, follow us on Instagram. I'm getting better at it. I'm doing more stuff. Yeah, follow, like, rate, review, subscribe. We need reviews on this podcast. It doesn't have any reviews on iTunes, and that's not right, you guys. Like, because I know there are people who are listening, because you keep telling me that. You keep reaching out and telling me. So you need to tell the world as well. Thanks. Um, yeah, so... I think that's going to be all for this week. Uh, I hope that you guys have a good one. If I'm forgetting anything, you know what I mean. Because I say the same thing at the end of every podcast. It's not even a big deal at this point. Okay. All right, guys. I love you. And I will speak to you in two weeks' time. Bye.